Blog Talk Radio. Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, the Visible 
conservative himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith. Sorry about the interruption, people banging on the door, but that's all right. Anyway, we are we are going to have a fun-filled, action-packed, hopefully very eventful show tonight. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the visible conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents. So as we get started, I want to play one of my favorite clips, and it's my friend Bill Lumen getting attacked by liberals. <laughs> Quite the interesting um, commercial. It's from a couple years ago, but it's still relevant in light of today's proceedings. So enjoy the warning. It's not safe for work, and parental discretion is advised. Hello, America. This is the other bill for America. I'm the guy with the sign on my truck. Now, I'm not hiring until Obama's gone. That is strictly a prediction because he is destroying our economy. But, as promised, I promised a few Patriot friends on Facebook that I would post a video that um, would bring to light the last phone call I got last night at 11.16 p.m. my time here on the eastern seaboard of one of my new liberal friends from Wisconsin. He says his name is John and I got to call my uh, uh, voicemail to be able to retrieve this message and allow you to hear it. It's impressive for somebody of sub-intellectual character yeah. Bear with me on this video thing. It's new to me. And I got to uh, fine-tune fine tune it as best I can and get one. First saved message. Here's that. Yeah, my name is John. I was uh, wondering if you guys were hiring yet. Entertaining, huh? Muslims still in office, I guess. Come you on. Fucking piece of shit. Pick up the pace, John. Soon I'll be standing right behind you. Ooh. Fear. See you fucking that. loser. You're you're fucking part of the reason why this fucking country is the way it, the way it is. Yada yada yada. Man, you piece of shit. Hmm. Well, John, I want to thank you for your contribution. And uh, I have posted on Facebook. If anybody wants to contact him and let him know that they are in support of him or maybe discuss his feelings for my terrible capitalist beliefs, please, please don't hesitate to do so. But uh, I will be posting this video shortly. And uh, God bless all patriots. Semper Fi Marines. Now, I'm a little busy, so i got to get to work. I'll talk to you later. You have a blessed day. And once again, that was my friend Bill Lumen. He got in trouble back in 2011, 2012, when he put a sticker on his company truck that says, 
not hiring until Obama's out of office. His neighbor sent um, the Secret Service over to his house, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Anyway, let's get right to the headline. Wow. I'm going to start with... um, Netanyahu vows Hamas will pay after bodies of three kidnapped Israeli teens found. Israel weighed its options Monday following the discovery of three teens kidnapped June 12th in the West Bank with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowing Hamas will pay. The bodies of the youth including one with U.S. citizenship, were found north of Hebron. They were kidnapped and murdered in cold blood by animals. Haritz quoted Netanyahu as saying at a hastily arranged security cabinet meeting, in the name of the whole of Israel, I ask to tell the dear family, to the mothers, the fathers, the grandmothers, and the grandfathers, the brothers, and the sisters, Our hearts are bleeding. The whole nation is crying with them. The leader's angry words to the search for E.L. Yifrich, 19, Galad Shear, 16, and Nastali Frankel, also 16, who were snatched while hitchhiking, ended in the West Bank where Hamas operates. Sources said the bodies were found in a shallow grave in an open field in the West Bank village of Hyahol, just north north of Hebron. Hamas is responsible, and Hamas will pay, Netanyahu vowed. President Obama called the killings of the teens a senseless act of terror. As a father, I cannot imagine the indescribable pain that the parents of these teenage boys are experiencing, he said in a statement. The United States condemns in the strongest possible terms this senseless act of terror against innocent youth. Frankel's cousin, David Halberstam, told Fox News that the family is devastated, saying his 90-year-old mother, who lost relatives in the Holocaust, broke down when she heard the news. It's your worst fears are realized, and it's awfully, awfully difficult. We haven't quite absorbed everything yet, he said. Netanyahu's comments amplified earlier remarks from President Shimon Perez, who said Israel will pursue the killers. The entire nation is bowing its head with unbearable sorrow this evening, Perez said. Over the past 18 days, the nation prayed as one that the fate of our wonderful teenagers would be that they are found alive and well. Now that the bitter news has come, the entire Israeli nation mourns the premature death of our finest youth. Alongside deep sorrow, we will remain resolute to punish the atrocious terror. Our war on terrorism will only intensify, 
and will not waver so that this murderous terrorism will not dare rear its head. The abduction outraged the Jewish state as well as the international community, and several vigils and rallies were held around the U.S. during the intensive hunt. Hundreds of Palestinians took part in the search dubbed Brothers Keeper. The three youth disappeared as they were heading home from a West Bank religious school. Israeli officials said at the time that one of the teens called a police emergency line around 10.25 p.m. local time and said, we've been kidnapped. They were not heard from again. Frankel holds dual U.S.-Israeli citizenship. Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas criticized the kidnapping and pledged help in the search, but denied that there was evidence linking Hamas to the crime. Hamas, which governs the Palestinian territories jointly with the PA, praised the kidnapping without claiming responsibility. Hamas spokesman Sami Abu Zahiri accused Israel of using the murders as a pretext for aggression. Only the Israeli version of the events have been published. Let me stop right there for a minute and offer this little context. It is written in the Quran that you can lie if it benefits Islam. So as a result of that, Anything that an extremist Muslim says is to be taken with a grain of salt. But I digress. Only the Israeli version of the events have been published. Israel is attempting to make way for aggression against us, against the Hamas, Zahiri said. We reject all Israeli allegations and threats against us. We are already used to it, and we know how to defend ourselves. No Palestinian group, Hamas, or any other group has taken responsibility for the actions, and thus the Israeli version cannot be trusted, as if your version can be trusted. Israeli forces searched more than 1,000 sites rounding up Hamas and Islamic Jihad suspects as part of the operation. Last week, the Israeli Israel Security Agency identified two Hamas operatives from Hebron as key suspects in the kidnapping. Amir Mohammed Abu Isha, 33, a locksmith, and Marwan Al-Kawashima, 29, a barber. Both men allegedly disappeared from their homes on the night of the kidnapping, have not been seen since. Benjamin Proper, who was among the civilian volunteers that found the body, told Channel 2 TV that a member of the search party saw something suspicious on the ground. Plants that looked out of place moved them and moved some rocks and then found the body. We realized it was them and we called the Army. Meanwhile, in Washington, White House smoke spokesman Josh Ernest told reporters, we obviously condemn in the strongest possible terms violence that takes the lives of innocent civilians. Oh, that's interesting. 
because you wasn't really thinking too much about um, the lives of our four American in Benghazi, were you? But I digress. I'm going to take another break. I am going to play I Am America by Krista Branch, and then I'll come back after the after this short three-minute break with some more headlines as we prepare for our guest tonight. You are listening to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents on Blog Talk Radio.
And welcome back to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on Blog Talk Radio and True Radio Presents. So let's see what we can go to next. According to some terrorist experts, the title reads, Terrorists are overconfident in declaring Islamic State, experts say. The decision by the Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant to declare a new state shows signs that the terrorists are presumptuous, their power can't be challenged, according to foreign policy experts. Kirk S. Leopold, United States Navy, retired, and Sarhane Hermasud told Fox News the rapid, the rapid expansion of ISIS could be their downfall. Hermaseed is the senior program officer for the Middle East and Africa at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Leopold served as commander of the USS Cole when it came under a suicide attack by al-Qaeda in 2000. The decision definitely shows a confident, overconfidence by the militants, said Hermaseed. They now feel they have large population and a number of towns to move to the next stage of expanding their territory. Leopold added that recent actions by the militants demonstrate an overreach. He said the reality is they are stretched too far too thin. They don't have the ability to operationally hold large swaths of territory and not and not a large force to keep the population under thumb and control them. Hamasid points out if Iraqi forces are not able to stop ISIS, it's likely they will come further into Iraq. The group's leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is pushing to control all of the Middle East. They feel that now they have the geographic heart of the Islamic world and now with the finances to make it happen, said Hamasid. Leopold said Iraq's current government is setting up the conditions for al-Baghdadi to grow stronger. You could potentially see the fall of the government if we, U.S., engage with Prime Minister Malaki and prop him up. It does nothing to solve the core problem. Isn't it amazing? Out of everything that's happened today, you still have a bunch of overconfident terrorists. They think they're invincible, that no one could touch them, that they're that they're invincible, like I said. But one thing that people have to understand, and if you're a if you're a militant, you need to understand one thing: your fake power cannot stand up 
to the power of God. It can't. I'm sorry. It just can't. And if you think you can, I'm sorry. I hate to disappoint you. God is real. Jesus Christ is real. Allah Allah, I believe they said, is the moon god. Whatever. Doesn't really matter. But, folks, you need to understand one thing. We as believers, we have the real power and authority in Christ Jesus Anyway, how do you deal with goofy situations that happen, but yet, this is, this is, this is where I'm torn, and people don't understand this, and I get in this conversation with a lot of believers for whatever reason, they seem to think that evil is more powerful than good. But that's not what the word says. And until we understand that Satan's power, because, folks, what this is, everything that's going on, what we saw today was God letting people know that He's not done with this country. And for all the hand-wringing that's going on, when you get to hand-wringing and all that stuff, what you're saying is you don't truly trust in the power of prayer and what God is doing in this nation. And having said that, I'm going to get right into my interview. This this individual is a very, very, very dear person to me. In the state of Missouri, she she leads fights on all fronts. She fights for legitimate rights for women, not not frivolous liberal issues that only apply to the liberal side, but she fights for the rights for all women, regardless. She is a believer. Let me just read her bio to you. Bev Elin is the State Director for Concerned Women for America of Missouri. She lived in the St. Louis County area. Most She's lived in St. Louis County most of her life, but moved to Warren County in 1999. 
Bev and her husband, Cliff, have two sons, two daughters-in-law, and four grandchildren so far. Bev left her real estate career in 1990 to homeschool their sons after learning about current issues in the Christian foundation of our country. Bev joined Concerned Women for America, CWA, in 1991 and became a prayer action chapter leader shortly thereafter. After meeting and working with state legislators throughout through those first years, she developed an interest in activities at the state capitol and became the legislative liaison for CWA of Missouri in 2000. Bev became state director for CWA of Missouri in January of 2007, but continues her work the Missouri General Assembly. So, Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed, please join me in welcoming my friend, fellow sister in Christ, and just one powerful conservative warrior across the board. Beth, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, hey, Thomas, it's a real privilege to be with you. It's been a good day. Yes, it has, and that's why I wanted to interview you because I I know you specifically um, in Missouri since since it first came down about the health care mandate and when Hobby Lobby first, you know, raised the issues, you were one of those individuals. You raised the alarm, not just on by your postings on Facebook, but you were uh, you were actually and actively out there getting the word out, Kate women, and not just women, but people across the board on what's going on. So in light of our victory today, I want to get your reaction and your thoughts on it. Well, you know, everybody won today because the First Amendment is for every American. And even if an American is not a believer, um, if our First Amendment as a believer is taken away, their their rights are also in jeopardy. So, you know, people will look at us and think, well, nothing, you know, no big deal. We're just Christians, you know, we but but everybody's in jeopardy when any of our rights are threatened. And so that's where we stand with those that don't believe like we do, just because um those rights are God given, whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> and so I'll stand with somebody who's wrong on an issue just protect your rights, but we did have a, it was a great, well, it was a, it would have, if the decision would have come down any differently than it did, it would have been really horrible, because this is a well thought out, perfect decision, it was just narrowly defined, a very small group of people are going to be affected by this, but those, those Christians that um, really live their faith 24-7 and have a business, at least in the pro, at least in this area on the contraception, on the Obamacare mandate, are protected. Now we'd certainly like to see those protections extended to Christians in business and other um, amendment, First Amendment rights. But that's for another program, maybe. Specifically, because I was, I've been following the commentary on the on the news today, and um, some of the experts said that this. Basically, this decision, it affects privately held corporations, 
sole mm-hmm. proprietorships in nonprofits. Can you mm-hmm. speak on that a little bit and just kind of explain, um, you know, in as best as you know, uh, what what specific ramifications that that it has for these specific organizations? Well, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, other than I do know when it was first um, reported from Mario Diaz, our, our legal guy to Concerned Women for America in Washington, you know, he's termed as closely held corporations um, cannot be required to violate their religious beliefs to provide contraception. And so it does mean, uh, I think there's even um, an employee amount, but I think the um, Constica would, they, they employ um, over 1,000 employees. So, but if you're a closely held, you know, it can't be public, um, publicly held corporation. So there are some requirements. But that's what we're just asking because if you're a family business uh, and you have to be a, I would think you'd have to almost be a closely held corporation to be able to, to live out your faith. Or your, if you ever heard Joshua Hawley give the whole story behind the Green family and how they have lived their lives and how they have run their business for all these years, they provided, and I was shocked to find out that of the, of the 20 FDA-approved contraceptions that they all had already provided for 16 of them over the years in their in their healthcare coverage for their employees. They only bought exactly. at providing for four, huh? No, I said exactly. And it's yeah. funny you brought that up because I actually got into a. Um, you may have seen it on my Facebook page an intensive debate with the gentleman, um, and he's conservative, but he called um, he called Hobby Lobby a uh, hypocrite and all that stuff and provided, you know, prov- he said, well, they already provided um, contraceptive for their employees. And I had to point out to him they did by their own choice. The issue, what people don't really understand, the true issue was being forced to forced. do something yeah. that they didn't want to do. Right. So right. can you speak to that a little bit? Because you kind of you actually led into that, and can you speak more a little bit about um, the fact that Hobby Lobby did provide contraceptives? Yeah, and um, and when you find out the whole story behind how they run their business, and even providing sixteen of the twenty contraceptions already in their in their healthcare policies, you find, you really realize it's a it's a, an Obama tyrant move here. It's my way or the highway, and those four um, those four contraceptions that are also abortifacients are the ones that they objected to, and the. Um, um, the stipulation for the Religious Freedoms Restoration Act was that a Christian, well, a believe, well, I don't know if it's even, a religious person's beliefs cannot be um, violated if there's any other way to get around it. Now, those are layman terms. But um, um, so this this should never have been a court case. You know, they should have they should have been thrown out the first time that the Obamacare wanted them to provide it, and they rejected because the um, Religious Restoration Act um, does provide that for the person. But, yeah, um, and Lobby Lobby, you know, they, they, they're closed on Sunday. They, they close early in the week for their employees. They're, they pay right. um, 90% of the, the pay scale higher than, than the most. Um, so I bet you if we, if we told their employees 
um, they they certainly have a different story on us. So it was just basically our federal government. Um, we're going to you know overrun. You know you're going to do what we say you're going to do because we are the government. And so so that in that case it was a real victory because because um, right. there was really no law that um, was being violated here. So I have a question, and this is what I'm wondering. In light of this, how come no one, how come Christians or a group of Christians don't get together and actually sue the federal government for allowing Muslims to opt out of the health care entirely based on religious reasons? Isn't that isn't that a blatant act of discrimination when you say certain groups can opt out for certain reasons, but you as a Christian you can't opt out no matter what? Well, I don't know if I would go that far. There are probably some that would would take it that far, but I wouldn't want um any, I don't want anybody to be forced into Obamacare. I would rather work on freeing the rest of us from from Obamacare. Right. But I mean, I, but I get your point. Yeah, it is. It's definitely wrong that one religion can can um, um, get out of it, where some other where the others can't. Um, but there right. now, what is, is surprising? Um, you know, there are some Christian organizations that provide it's not health insurance, but it's health care um, sharing, um, like MediShare and some others. And right. provided um, care for for people for um, years because now get this because they, you, know, you have to pass the test you you have to be um, sexually pure and you don't um, you're not into drunkenness and you don't smoke and um, so those are they feel like a you know a Christian um, living by Bible standards would pretty much fall into those lines anyway and they can provide um, health help. I should say help because there's nothing forced here. You're just sharing, you know, your monthly amount with somebody who has a health care need. And those are exempt. So I was really surprised, and maybe I shouldn't even be talking about this, because um, that they were even excluded from um, Obamacare from the very beginning. Because you would think the way Obamacare is and every other thing the federal administration is doing, um, they would want um, to come down on this Christian organization that has been providing a wonderful service for families for many years at a fraction of the cost of health insurance. Right. But we won't, so hopefully none of the federal employees that are listening into our conversation because maybe that's one thing they overlooked. But, yeah, it's it's just, um, well, and there is, you know, what's wrong is right and right is wrong. There is no um, justice. There's no fairness in the way things are right now. But, um, and we all know it's because, we are doing everything in our own sight, what's right in our own sight, and until our country, until the Christians in our country um, acknowledge that we have gone astray um, and repent and turn from our wicked ways. I mean, the humans are living out to what they believe. You know, the end justifies the means for a humanist because, um, you know, they, they um, have a lofty goal and they need to get us to that goal. But if you're a, you know, if you're a believer, you know that certain things are always wrong and certain things are always right, and you can live your life by that. So, um, um, so until until um, um, the Christians, because pagans are acting like pagans, but when the Christians act like pagans, we have find ourselves in a mess like this that we have now. So, unfortunately, right. it's all our fault, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But there is hope. I, I do. 
I want to ask you a question real quick. And this is something I saw today, and I know you saw this. Um, the Presbyterian Church voted against denouncing the. Well, they. Let me let me just read one of the articles, and this I guess this is something they said. Christian virtue does not require us to save babies who survive a botched abortion. You want to care to tackle that? And I, since I know your stance on the pro-life issue, you care to speak on that one? Well, again, um, they're they're greatly deceived. Um, they don't have that basic plumb line of of human life is precious. The God is the decider of um, when um, individuals are born and in what condition they're born. And um, so I'm not surprised that they make a decision like this because um, if they're not, um, they don't believe the Bible is an errant word of God and there's absolutes, then they can go anywhere with, with their beliefs and their proclamations. Um, and they can they probably use the, the intent, you know, the intent of this woman was to um, deliver a dead child. So therefore, if a, if a live child is delivered, we need to, again, the unjustified means, we need to provide that original intent. And um, so I can see how they can make a statement like that. Um, it's just wow. so sad that they right. are misleading so many of their members because um, God's truth and principles are quickly uh, understood when you're presented, when you're taught the right way. Um, you know, the, right. me- the message of liberty, find the message of liberty when they're given it. Um, just they're not given it in schools. They're not giving it in the media. And so, so, but when individuals have the opportunity to hear somebody speak on liberty and our God-given rights and stuff, they respond to that. So it's, it's um, just a concerted effort to have to... Um, um, thwart his, his truth. Um, so they, yeah, so they are failing their their apostates. They they failed their congregations and those people. Um, they need to to get out and go find a Bible believing church and and let their denomination go by the wayside. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm I've been scratching my head when I when I see these these. Um, Christian denominations that take a a pro-abortion stance, and I scratch my head, and I and I think back to Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verse nineteen, and and I'm asking myself, when did God change His mind on telling us to choose life? I mean, could you could you help me out here, Beth? Because I'm I I don't think I'm crazy, but. Did God change his mind on that scripture or what? Well, you know, and I'm at an advantage here. And so I have to give a little bit of grace to so many people because I'm, you know, in the movement. I get a lot of pro-life information, a lot of testimonies from women who have not had abortions, who've been in difficult situations. When you and read about these parents whose, whose babies were given the prognosis of, of dying um, within hours after their birth, so they were told to abort so that, to save them the pain, but they carried the child to the term, and those precious hours that they had to spend with their child, they would not give anything up for that because it was, it was 
precious. So we can't question God. All we can do is take what what is allowed in our lives and let him use it for his glory and our betterment. I mean, you know, so... So yeah, um, yeah, but but because I hear those testimonies all the time, my faith has been built up, and I can say yes, yes, we have to trust God because there's a you know um, good can come out of this. But if a person isn't you know if a Christian isn't even um, um, privy to that or doesn't take the opportunity to hear those testimonies, um, I can see them making the the decision um, that well you know in some cases it's okay because it's really going to help more people than it's going to hurt. So um, we're right. just um, we're just you know, kind of pathetic. But then again, it's, it's back to the, the leaders in these churches not giving the opportunity. I belong to the Southern Baptist denomination, and we have our, we have our token um, Pro-Life Sunday every, every year in January. And it dawned on me, I realized about 10 years ago when I was giving a Pro-Life, you know, 10-minute whatever it was in my church, and I realized that, you know, we're doing more harm to the, to the people in our congregation that have experienced abortion if once a year we talk mm-hmm. about it and remind them that it's right. wrong. And we don't talk about it long enough to say, my goodness, Jesus is the one that can heal and forgive you. And he, in fact, with the, with the sin of abortion, um, you have to experience Jesus' healing because it is so. So we, we only do right. more harm to because, you know, what, what um, the same statistics in our congregations are in the world as far as abortion um, people and people in the congregation have been affected by abortion, either had an abortion, um, took their daughter to get an abortion, um, convinced their girlfriend to have an abortion. And um, if, we just, if we just talk about abortion long enough to, to um, remind people that it's wrong, then we are not doing the job. Right. And see, and that's the thing. One thing that on, on our pro-life radio show, myself, um, Letitia, Melissa, one thing that we don't do, we don't, we don't even ever, we don't necessarily talk talk about how wrong abortion is when it pertains to the women. We actually address the root cause of it because just like with everything else, these women are going to do what they've been told. And as you know, having spent many years in a pro-life fight, how the pro-aborts have spent tens of thousands, maybe tens of millions of dollars trying to keep us as pro-lifers from being able to get the truth to these women. So if these women are only hearing one side of the argument, they're going to do what they what they know. I don't know how many times I've talked to a woman, and she said, you know, if I'd have known that there was another option. And that's when I would say to them, you know what, it's not about you being condemned for for what you did because while you already know what you did was wrong, the moment, see, what a lot of people don't realize when a woman goes in for an abortion, she knows, even especially after it's done, However she chooses to process, you know, her emotions, you know, that that's not, that's that's for her to deal with. It's not for us to condemn her because she already knows what happened. It's mm-hmm. for us as believers to say, Hey, you know what? Jesus Christ has the yep. message of yep. healing. 
if you reach out to him. Right. And this exactly. is where the silence of our pastors, as you said, and you hit the nail on the head, Bev, this is where the silence of our pastors are hurting the women, like you said. And I appreciate you for saying that because because it's not said enough. I don't understand how pastors, they could talk about sin from the pulpit and tell somebody if they at the club drinking or smoking that they're sinning, but yet a woman who is suffering in silence in her pool, in, in the pews, he can't, he can't say, hey, you know what? God has provided a way out when it comes to this issue. And, and, and it grieves my heart. It grieves my heart. So, I mean, Bev, what could really, what, what I'd like for you to do, just offer to any woman that may be listening to the show who have had an abortion, just offer a word of encouragement. Because you, like, like you said, you've been in a battle. So offer, just offer a tender word of encouragement for the for the ladies who might be listening. Oh well, I don't know what I'll what I can say that you haven't already said is that um, Jesus died for each one of us and the wrongs that He knew we were going to commit and the healings through Him. And restoration, that is what's so wonderful about our God. He's the God of restoration. He'll take us from this point onward and make our life glorious and use those things that we've done, those things that we've experienced, um, and and turn them around for good and for glorification and for experience to help others. So so it's so wonderful about Jesus and our our faith is it's restoration and it's the relationship. And it's, it's abundant, and and not to and I guess another word of encouragement or advice is not to let Satan continue to have the victory in your life. I mean, how many right. times with each of us let Satan continue to beat us over the head over something? Um, just you know, he's getting the victory. You know, let Jesus have the victory. And um, so yeah, just don't don't fall for the lie anymore. Satan is nothing but lies, and he'll lie to you from morning to when you go to sleep, and even through your sleep. So so let Jesus um, um, be your truth and your guide and your healer and your restorer, and um, and then be ready to, to help others um, find that truth as well. Amen. Bev, I I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Because, and uh, it's been a good year. We had some good decisions last week. You know, when we were talking about, you know, women having out of the way, um, Gina Allen, our pro-life coordinator, well, we're close enough okay. to St. Louis that she gets down to the Planned Parenthood often. And and the battle is heating up. We are, you know, there's one freestanding abortion clinic left in Missouri, and that's, um, well, it's not, really, not just abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood, but it's where they do abortions in Missouri. And, um um, and they're really getting upset with the number of people that have shown up time and time again. Last last Saturday, there were seven new people with Gina on the side who had never been down there before. Um, they were from oh, a certain wow. church out in, in St. Charles County, and so I'm just rejoicing that because they're down there, and they're giving me hope. They're giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the best thing about ministering on the sidewalk in the abortion clinic is you get to save two lives. You can save the last of the baby, plus you get to introduce the mother to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Boy, Amen. I tell you what, a good use of your time. <laughs> you know? exactly. And um, so, so that, that they're standing at, at the at the gates of hell there, um, with the with Jesus smile on their face and, and offering help and lives are being changed not only for the immediate and that and that baby's life, but for eternity. And so that is um that is good news. Amen. And you know what? That that that's why they call it the good news of the gospel, because the word gospel translated means mm-hmm. good news. And yep. what a lot of times when I hear people say, you know, well, you're sinning, so you're going ahead, not going to hell. And I think I think to myself, you know, what's the good news in that? And and then you have to think about the message and what Jesus did. The good news is is Romans ten nine and ten, which says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. But the one thing that we as believers, when we're seeking to be a witness, have to we have to remember to let new believers understand that salvation isn't the end result. That's the starting line. It's the beginning, yeah. Yes, because once you once you get saved, then the door is open to as much relationship with Jesus Christ that you could possibly want. And nobody, not even God himself, will limit you. The only one that limits how much of God mm-hmm. we can have is we ourselves. And yes. that yes. that's the good news of the gospel. That is the true good news of the gospel. And, Bev, I'm going to tell you something. That is the reason why when I hear all this hand-wringing coming, coming from some Christian circles about, oh, what's a, our country is this, this, and this, I'm like, okay, uh, so evil is rearing its ugly head. What are you going to do about it? Because last time I looked, Satan is not more powerful than God, but it's our yeah. prayer that changes situation. So either we can cry about Our it. Our prayer or we and can action, pray it. yes. <laughs> yes, prayer and action. <laughs> it's like my spiritual dad said one time God cannot give direction to a parked car. Yeah. <laughs> so if yep, you're yep. not moving, how can God direct your, how can he direct your yep. steps if you're not moving? <laughs> so. Well, thanks, Thomas, for having me on and and for talking about this. It was um, it's um, been been good to be with you and to be um, to be celebrating this. You know, it's, isn't it crazy to be celebrating such a right decision? Yeah. <laughs> because we've had many wrong decisions. I mean, every day we're hearing a judge, you know, um, striking down another marriage amendment. So every day we're hearing wrong decisions. So, yeah, so I guess we do celebrate right decisions, don't we? All right. Thank you. Yes, we do. Feel, Beth, God bless you, my friend. And I'm going to be getting in touch with you about our um, state FDF conference in September. So we got the yeah, dates to facility and everything. So. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was my friend, Bev Elin, with Concerned Women of America of Missouri. She's the the state director in Missouri. Folks, you have to understand one thing. 
regardless of what situations may look like, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. And I am going to invite my friend G. Ski Rocks to call in and and rap with me for the last few minutes. G. Ski, I know you're I know you're listening, so ring up the phone and call on in and rap with me. Let everybody know how you've been doing and what you got going on. And while you're while I'm waiting for you to dial in, I am going to rattle away about something else. That's old. I'm still, you know, I'm still torn up by Presbyterian Church. Christian virtue does not require us to save babies who survive a botched abortion. <laughs> wow. I guess even with that, you can tell, you can tell the the organizations that are for and the organizations that are against life. Um, I don't know. Wow. Oh, man. That just stuns me, folks. But I guess, um, I guess, oh, here's one. This ought to be really good. The um, Philadelphia mayor, young black men are not responsible for their actions. Michael Nutter is the mayor of Philadelphia and, well, a nutter, which is Brit slang for a crazy person. Hey, at least he has that truth and labeling thing going for him. He penned a piece for the Huffington Post today in which he, let me, I'm going to read his piece from the Huffington Post. Three three myths hurting young black men and boys. In America today, there are three myths, three fundamental misguided beliefs that are hurting our young black men and boys, bright young people that I have been fortunate to meet in my time as mayor of Philadelphia. These myths chip away at the opportunities of these young men of color. As a result, we're putting an entire generation at a severe disadvantage and wasting the lives of millions of people who, with reasonable investment, could become vital vital contributors to our economy and society. Okay. Myth number one. America has progressed enough as a nation that black men and boys have equal opportunity to be successful. So basically, if I'm understanding correctly, what I'm about to read, we have a black president and many other elected officials, doctors, lawyers, and industry leaders. Success is a possibility for any person willing to work hard to achieve it. That's the underlying belief that fuels this myth, but it neglects the realities young black men and boys face every day in America. Higher rates of poverty, arrest, and incarceration, 
large health disparities, and lower educational attainment rates. So, Mr. Michael Nutter, whose fault is that? Nationally, the four-year on-time graduation rate is 78%. The national graduation rates for black boys is 52%. Once again, Michael Nutter, whose fault is that? In my city, the on-time graduation rate for 2013 is 64%, with the graduation rate for black boys at a mere 57%. Once again, Michael Nutter, whose fault is that? Why the gap? A young man of color is more likely to live in poverty. Once again, whose fault is that? Children who live in poverty are more likely to miss school and have and less likely to graduate. Too often they grow up to work a low-wage, low-skilled job. It's a cycle of poverty that usually remains unbroken. Addressing the low educational attainment for black men and boys is not simple fix. We need more education funding. No, you don't. Wow, what an idiot. What an idiot. I can't even read that. This guy, the mayor of Philadelphia, basically, with his comment, I don't even know. I I don't even know what to think. Folks, that's crazy. I'm at a I'm I, I'm at a loss for words because this guy he's blaming other people. So I'm gonna have my friend G Ski Rock weigh in on Mr. Nutter, the Philadelphia mayor. What a joke. Gee, ski rocks. Mr. Simmons, where you been hiding at? What's cracking, man? How you doing? <laughs> Not a lot of nothing. Just reading about that nutcase up in um, Philadelphia. Basically, in a nutshell, he said, Young black boys are not responsible for their actions. You well, well, want to speak to that one? Well, first of all, his uh, his name describes him, so it's, mm-hmm. it's not a lot there. You know what I'm saying? His name describes him. But, I, I mean, you, you just got to think about this for a second. It's the same thing as uh, – what's my man's name? I'm trying to – Malik Zulu Shabazz, when he was trying to get, uh, what was it, uh, post-traumatic slavery syndrome, saying that it's it's not a black man's fault that he's sometimes violent because of uh, slavery, and it's built right. into it's it's a psychological uh, problem that hasn't been dealt with. So I, I mean, it's it's insane. Dan, there are going to be people in poverty. We we know that. Even the Bible says it. It says the poor will always, will always be with you. We understand that. Yep. But people can lift themselves out of poverty. They just have to do it themselves. No one's going to pull you out. You have to lift yourself out of poverty yourself using the tools 
that, hey, guess what? God has given us. You can do that. There's a lot of people that choose not to, and that's nobody else's fault except for theirs. So, So Philly's mayor, I mean, his his last name describes him. So I mean, there's not much to say about him. He he's an idiot. He's always made stupid statements, and he's trying to give an excuse to our people. Like I mean, we we already have enough excuses for our downfalls, and right. he's trying to give them another excuse. We don't need more excuses. We need people to stop being a victim and come out of poverty. Get yourself educated. The reason why. The, the graduation rate for our people are so low is because they spend more time, you know, wearing their pants below their butts and, and thinking that they can be a drug dealer and being a drug dealer makes life great and grand and, and all this other stuff. They spend more money getting tattoos and putting gold in their mouth than thinking about, hey, tucking some of that money away, getting yourself out of poverty and stuff like that. Get yourself out the hood. Find you a place. Right. Find you a good place. It, I mean, it's all common sense, but some of these people right. just don't possess it, and that's not our fault. Well, just apparently, apparently it is. Apparently it is because according to Michael Nutter, black men and boys have a dependency for violence. I don't have a criminal record. I grew up with a hard life, so how come – what happened? Was I just too much of a nerd or – I don't know what it was. Maybe, yes, maybe I, that's what it was, Deesky. I was a nerd. Who knows? Hey, but what do you uh, think? hey, you grew up, you grew up in Missouri, right? And um, yep. Uh, last time I checked, uh, that area is kind of rough. That area is yes, kind of rough. Is. Yeah, it is. But a lot of people think well. You're not from Chicago, New York, L.A., Philadelphia, Houston. You ain't been through what? So you telling me I have to go through, I have to live in those areas to experience a hard life? Hmm, okay, before I was in foster, before I was put in foster care. When myself, my brother, my sister, and my mom all lived with my grandma in Kansas City, Missouri. We were little. Playing outside, my grandma's house, thirty nine twenty one Flora. A car screeched to a halt in front of our, in in front of the house. Threw a dead body out the car into our yard. Wow. Hello, I mean that's <laughs> kind of stuff I saw. I saw people get the mess beat out of them. You don't have to see somebody get their heads blown off to have a hard life. I chose not to see that because I chose not to experience the game life. Yeah. I mean, it, it's know? a trip. Be- yeah, it's a trip because you have all types of stuff like that going on around the country. A lot of people won't believe won't believe me when I say this. And and you, I, I'm I, I'm sure that you're aware of it too. But there's a gang problem in Nebraska. Yep. <laughs> and and honestly, me, when I think of Nebraska, I think of the whitest white state ever on the planet Earth. You know, I I think of Stepford Wives when I think of Nebraska. You know what I'm saying? No, that'd be and, Wyoming, though. That'd be Wyoming. <laughs> 
But, I mean, you would never think in a million years that there's a gang problem in Nebraska. Right. But, I mean, that just goes to show you this this type of idea, this type of lifestyle is all around the country. And, and it's it's in the weirdest places, places that you never think it, it could possibly happen. It's there. So this, this type of lifestyle is everywhere around the country. And people in those areas manage to pull themselves out of that lifestyle. People in those, those areas manage to pull themselves out of poverty and everything else. And a lot of people can make a, a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful testimony for themselves. You hear these testimonies every single day, especially if you're a Christian. You hear these type of stories every single day of people that were in gangs and, and drug dealers and stuff like that, and they, they pulled themselves away from that and made themselves a better person you know, by trusting in God, having faith in God. People just don't believe anymore. And, and that's the major right. problem that we have. People just don't believe. They're, they're moving more and more away from it. A lot of people are now starting to sympathize for Islam and, and everything else. Right. And, and that's where all the problem evolves. And, right. and Islam, their thing is just to trick you. See, they don't necessarily want you to believe in their God. They don't necessarily want you to believe in their God. They just don't want you to believe in the Christian God. That's what their mission right. is. They don't Yeah, they just don't want you to believe in the Christian God. And and once once they can wipe that away from you, they know that they can control you whether you believe in Allah or not. They can control you. All they have to do is get in your mind that the Christian God doesn't exist. And Right. Now they have all the power, and that's what it's all about. Let me ask you this, because you are speaking with someone who has the experience of having been um, a part of the nation of Islam. One thing that I, one thing I want to blow the cover off of, and I know you know this. I want you to talk about the the blatant racism of Arab Muslims towards black Muslims. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's real simple. Now, if you were in Africa, you could see it. If you're in Africa, you you, you can see it. They kind of mask it here, but yeah, yep. I mean, they they mask it here. But I mean, just just think of uh, uh, Sudan perfect example. Sudan is a perfect right. example. Now, Sudan has dropped off the map recently. I mean, people are still dying over there, and, and people are still fleeing that country because guess what? The Arab, the, the Arab Muslims are eliminating not only Christians, but they're eliminating the African Muslims also because they they just don't they just don't mix arab muslims I, I i'm sorry to say this but are super 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 arrogant they believe that they're the yeah. only ones they believe that they're supreme and everybody else needs to be destroyed you either con, you either conform or you're destroyed that's just the way it is now like i said it's masked here in the united states of of america because they have an agenda and, and number one on their agenda is, of course, to destroy the Christians. 
And right. and the second part of that is to destroy America, to occupy America, not to de- not necessarily to destroy America, because let it, little it be known, they want what we have here. Right. So they they have to destroy us in order to get what we have. So that's what they're doing. They're moving their way in to the United States. And see, they have to team up with the blacks, the black Muslims here in order right. to accomplish their goal. But but all day, every day, you can see the Arab hatred for <clears throat> for the the black Muslims in Africa. You can see it all over Africa. There's example after example after example of the of the Arab Muslims that just despise the African the African Muslims and their mission is to destroy them and it, it's going on all over Africa and they they're bringing that here now they're bringing that here now they're on a mission and if we don't wake up if we're not smart enough to realize this then we're going to find ourselves victim to all of this everything that you were talking about today is all part of that Everything that you were talking about today, even – I mean uh, people don't think about this, but o- Obamacare is part of that. Obamacare is part of that. Everything that the president has been doing, how he's been slowly but surely chipping away at the Constitution and, 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 and just you know, doing what he wants, making his own laws, circumventing Congress and everything else, that is an effort. The, the, the Muslims are sitting there smiling. I, I – I, I recall the uh, the one Muslim in London. I can't remember his name right now, but he said on I believe it was uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos. I, I think it was it was Christian and Ampour at the time. Um, but he said that um, he won't stop and he won't be happy until the flag of Islam is flying over the White House. That's what he said, and that's their mission. That's their mission. But see, here's and, the thing. Jiski, let me stop you, though. Howard, even with all these stupid anti-gun Second Amendment policies that they're trying to ignite, what, what are they going to do? Because I tell you what, if somebody... If one of those terrorists ignite a nuke in America, don't I guess they don't realize that that is auto, that is automatic. That's automatic. We will find out country where it came from, and it'll be turned to glass. You know, I don't I, understand. Honest... Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. No, I was going to say because we have battlefield tactical nuclear weapons in our arsenal that that are strategic. We don't need. See, this is what these fools don't understand. We have we have the same thing that they have, and there's nothing that this president can do to stop. To, to touch those weapons. We have weapons so advanced, it's not even funny. Right or wrong? Oh, yeah, you're, you're definitely right on that. Uh, definitely, definitely right on that. You know, I, I think that there are, 
it, it's weird because I, I think that there's a, a well, actually all of Islam is, is radical, so Islam is Islam. It, it is what it is, you know what I mean? But I, I think that there's some that have stepped up a notch, and you're right. I think that, that those, that group wants to ignite a, a dirty bomb here in the United States somewhere to make a statement, and you're right. We we are so technologically advanced that it would be a matter of time before we figure it out. And yeah, we make that whole part it, a sheet glass. And that's what they don't understand because even and this is this is the reason why I do not do a lot of hand wringing over the current administration because. Everything that they think they're doing, we have people who love this country who are at at levels of security clearance that they themselves don't even know about. You want to talk about black ops, that's black ops, that's protecting this nation. Believe you me, Valerie Jarrett is not, she isn't, she how, how do I say this, Jiski? These folks know what that woman's doing. They know what every every Muslim Brotherhood official in the White House is doing. They know, and every Muslim Brotherhood official that's a part of this administration, you better believe we have people watching them. They think they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. That's why I wish people would wake up and they would they would understand these fools are not getting away with what they think they're getting away with. Yeah, you, you know, see, a lot of people, you, <laughs> a lot of people don't understand. That there are some movies, and I can't name them off the top of my head right now, that are real close to the truth, and a lot of people don't realize it. But yes, there 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 are. Uh, organizations, that's the best way I can put it, that are sitting back waiting for this administration to take one step too far. And then they're uh-huh. going to move it. They're going to move uh-huh. in and they're, and they're going to take the appropriate actions. But Exactly. <laughs> but it's that, it's that one step that they're waiting for. And, and so far, it, and a lot of people think that it's, it sounds crazy, but guess what? Right now, he really hasn't come close to those steps. This administration hasn't come close to those steps. They're making steps in that direction, but they're not really close. We're we're just shocked at the lawlessness that we see that this guy exactly. is doing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's my whole point. They're Ski, you hit the nail on the head. There are that's why they won't that's why they won't go too far. Because they they know and these these are organizations that they cannot touch. I mean right. so you have to understand just you have to understand the level of commitment and love for our nation that these individuals who are right. who I'm talking about these are black ops on black ops intelligence. Just just imagine our NSA on steroids. 
for good for us. And, folks, that's because I don't care what anybody says. God has not done with the United States of America. He still has vision for this nation. We as believers, we as Christian conservative patriots, we just need to, one, we need to step up, strategize, come together. It's like I've always said, we have so many one-issue voters in a conservative movement, it's not even funny. But, folks, let me, let me tell you what the 100% tried and true strategy for successfully taking back our country is. It's this. If you want to have a successful conservative organization, you must have someone who is an expert in all areas, someone dealing with Common Core, someone dealing with fiscal issues, the pro-life issue, Christian religious liberty, constitutional issues. Each one of those individuals, works on a strategy, once everybody has that strategy, everyone in that conservative organization come together and you come up with one cohesive master plan and you implement it. It's called a battle plan. This whole one-issue voting situation, we got to get over that. We have to get away from that. Because if we don't, it will continue to lead to our defeat. There's too much division in the conservative move, in the conservative cause, when we have the right message. And to all of those of you who who elevate the Constitution over life, without life there wouldn't be a Constitution, folks. Get it right. Go ahead, Jeske. Yeah, you, number one, you're exactly right. And, and and see, people got to think about this. <laughs> and once again, they're going to say that I'm crazy. But it's okay because I, I understand exactly what's going on. Um, we hear so much talk about the impeachment of Barack Obama. There are so many people, impeach Obama, impeach Obama, impeach Obama. Let me tell you something. That's one thing that we don't want to happen. That's one thing that I don't think we're going to see happen. You know why? Because what it's going to do, it's going to establish weakness for the United States of America. The, the top guy thrown out, the top guy is thrown out, the guy that we elected in, well, I won't say we because I didn't vote for the guy, yeah. but the people that America chose to be their leader we said this guy is junk, and we throw him out. That shows us to right. be weak. That is a kink in our armor. And guess what? That organization, that group that's watching over, watching this guy to take that step too far, they do not want that to happen because that makes them vulnerable because now we're weak. And the whole entire world is paying attention to the United States, and they see the kink. And now they say it's perfect time for us to move in. It's a perfect time for us to move in. Understand something, folks. The impeachment of Bill Clinton led up to the events of 9-11. They seen the weakness. They were planning this. They knew exactly what they had to do. They seen the weakness. 
And then the, the fight with Al Gore and George W. Bush further showed weakness of the United States of America. We couldn't get our heads together. We dropped the ball, and they moved in exactly as they planned. They are looking for weaknesses in our armor, and we show them those weaknesses every single day. We should not be concerned with trying to impeach Obama. We should be concerned with trying to get Congress back in step. And the only way that we can do that is what you mentioned earlier. We have to get ourselves organized. We have to get guys that are experts in their field, and we have to strategize. Come up with a good battle plan. Get rid of these cats that are in Congress now. Right now is a perfect time because the elections are coming, and we can kick guys out. We can get them out, but we have to get our heads together, and that's what we're not doing because we're concentrating too much on Obama. We're concentrating too much on him. Impeach Obama. This guy is, is just bad and all this stuff. Yes, he is bad. I understand that. There's going to be bad people out there. There's going to be people in the White House that you don't like. I stand that. It's going to happen. It's not going to make anybody, it's not going to make everybody happy, but we have to make America strong. And in the best way to make America strong is stand. We the people, we the people have to support and defend the Constitution because our right. president don't want, he doesn't want to do it. So we the people has to do that. And the only way that we can do that is we have to lay our hand the hardest on all of our elected officials. And slowly but surely, if we lay our hands hard enough on these guys through praying and doing what we do best, we can force these guys to force the leader of this country to get in line. That's what we need to do, and people are missing that, and that, and that's what our big problem is. Right. You're exactly right. Gisky, I want to thank you, my friend, for calling in, and um, uh, um, just helping in the show. It's been a good show. I... Um, <laughs> It was the interview a good with the day. Bob. Yep. I love Beth. She's an awesome, awesome little lady. She's a, she, she's a Frederick Douglass Foundation Missouri, Missouri member. She's also the state director for, for Concerned Women for America as well. So, you know, I was just excited to have, you know, have her. And um, so... I want to thank you, my friend, for calling in. When's your show going to be back on? Um, I'm I'm contemplating, but uh, most definitely sometime in uh, July. There's there's been oh. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my life personally. So um, I'm getting everything together. Things are coming together quite well, and uh, I should be on sometime in July. So be looking well, July's out. July tomorrow. All right. Yeah. And, and then we have Annie, Southern Sense. She has a show tomorrow, which I'm going to be at, of course, and love her to pieces. Um, right now she is doing a showing up, up there, the movie, I believe. And um, Craig Bergman is the film producer who's also producing my film on post-abortive black women. 
stay tuned to be released potentially in 2016. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Until tomorrow, good night, God bless, and we will see you again. All right, Jiski, should I play a song? Eh. All right, folks, have a good night. Love you. We'll be back tomorrow.